Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll flip open the doors on advent calendars and beer boxes, explore beer styles in the last half of my interview with Linus DePauli from Trace Gatos Brewing in Wyoming, Michigan, and review Beacon from Southern Grist Brewing. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, in the Western Hemisphere, it's that time of year when we start preparing for Advent. In the craft beer world, that means it's also time for beer Advent calendars. The Advent calendar itself has been around since the early 19th century. Originally, it was used by German Lutherans, but has since spread to many other Christian denominations. Historically, the Advent calendar is usually an oversized card with doors that may be opened, one for each day of December leading up to and sometimes including Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. The doors are spread across the calendar in no particular order. Traditionally, the calendar doors are open to reveal an image, a poem, a portion of the nativity story, or even a small gift such as a toy or a chocolate item. Often, each door has a Bible verse and a Christian prayer printed on it, which Christians incorporate as part of their daily Advent devotionals. So when did this all become so commercialized? Historians agree that it was Gerhard Lang who in 1908 produced the first printed Advent calendar at his printing shop in Germany. Growing up, his mother would make an Advent calendar by attaching 24 little candies to a piece of cardboard. He took this family tradition and elevated it into colored pictures affixed to cardboard. In the 1950s, European chocolatier Cadbury started manufacturing advent calendars that held chocolate candy. This format has become wildly popular in England and has since spread westward. Now you can get advent calendars for everything from pets to Lego to whiskey to socks to makeup. If you don't believe me, head to your favorite big box store or even do a Google search for best advent box of 2022 and see what I'm talking about. It's insane. Just like the trend for seasonal beers, it seems like many breweries are now hopping onto Santa's sleigh and taking flight to deliver beer advent calendars. It used to be that only some beer delivery services or larger retails would have such things available, but now many breweries are now offering the advent calendar. For example, specialty retailer Costco has a contract with a distributor in Germany who curates their advent calendars. Starting in late fall, you'll start to see the Brewer's Advent Box showing up in stores by the pallet load. Holding 24 imported German beers in its sturdy box, it's a great way to get introduced to such styles as Bach, Weizen, Rausch beers, German Pilsner, and many others. Each can is 16 ounces, which makes it shareable as well. I had purchased one in 2019, and it is a fairly affordable option as well, coming in at $69.99. Another advent calendar I've gotten for the last couple of years is the BrewDog Advent Calendar. Holding 24 beers in its colorful box, you get some new beers brewed just for the calendar and a nice variety of their current distributed staples. Each can is 12 ounces, which is perfect for daily consumption. It is a little bit pricier at $89.99, but if you are an Equity for Punk supporter, you get 10% off and free shipping. The only downside is that you need to reside in a state where beer may be shipped. Discount grocery chain Aldi also has one, though I've never tried it. It usually is released at the end of October and features 24 different styles of beer, but sells out quickly as it retails for an affordable $49.99. For our family Christmas last year, I received the 24 beers of Cheerbox from my nephew and niece. 
This one came from the Brewers Collective, which is the craft arm of Anheuser-Busch. It included beers from West Coast Brewers, Widmer Brothers, Elysian, Red Hook, Kona, Goose Island, and Golden Road. It was a nice assortment of beers. I don't know the exact price since it was a gift, but I would venture a guess that it was in the range of $39 to $49. Even my favorite bottle shop has their own high-end version of the Advent Box. It is a bit pricier, starting out at $109 for a Christmas or winter beer or a light beer box, going all the way up to $149 for sour, IPA, or mixed pack. However, I know it would be worth every penny because I personally know the kind of beer that Owen and Franz will be packing into those boxes. This week, I'm going to skip the hop hack and talk about the 12 days of Christmas. To give a little more context, as I mentioned, the season of Advent leads up to Christmas. The next 12 days from Christmas onward is where the famous carol picks up. This also means there is another opportunity for retailers to capitalize on yet another holiday favorite. I'm all for that because usually that means we get a few extra options for one-off beers and boxes. Enter the 12 days variation. There are boxes by Stone Brewing, Rivalry Brewing, The Brewery, Rochester Mills, Bravana, and many, many more. I'm sure that you've even had a few you've seen in your favorite bottle shop that tend to be distributor dependent. My favorite is the Rochester Mills 12 Days of Milk Stouts. My main beer ski and I each buy a box. He lives a few hours away, so we choose a beer and sample it at the same time for a virtual beer share. If you like milk stouts, their base recipe is amazing and the flavors they achieve with their variants is festive. I aspire one day to get the release from the brewery just because it is so iconic. In their box, you get 12 375 milliliter bottles of what sound like amazing beer. Depending on whether you're a Scrooge or not, you can certainly share it with family and friends. The $135 price point is pretty steep, but if you can do some cost sharing with your beer friends, it might be an affordable option. Now that I think of it, maybe if I leave a bottle of Great Lakes Christmas Ale for Santa, he will hook me up this year with a few boxes off my wish list. Now it's time for Barstool Banter. This week, I'm returning to Wyoming, Michigan to find out more about Trace Gatos Brewing from head brewer and co-owner Linus DePauli. So what is your uh, your favorite style that you like to drink, Linus? I, I drink everything. It really depends on my mood. Some some days I'm in the mood for an imperial stout. Some days I'm in the mood of a, a kosh. But uh, when people ask me what's my favorite beer style, it has to be kosh. Because for me, it's not just the beer, it's also the memory of living in Cologne for almost six years. It's also the uh, the experience of what Koch is for me. Koch is sitting at a Koch Brauhaus with friends, just hanging out, drinking beers, not overthinking, just having a great time with your friends and uh, joy of life. So Koch for me, being this easy drinking, crushable beer, just, you know, social beer and reminding me of Cologne of sometimes going with Renata to the, to the river and just sitting down on the, there on the grass with a bottle of Kosh and just watching people walk by. I mean, that's, that's what I, what I love about the style is this, uh, is the, the memories of, uh, of Cologne. Nice. And I love drinking it as well. It's just that for drinking, uh, it really depends on my mood that day, but it's a, a style I love. And it's so simple, so delicate, 
And to be honest, so easy to brew, just some people overthink it and overcomplicate it. I love a good Kolsch as well. You can make it in unique. I mean, every style you have descriptions, but there are variants and you can make it unique. You can make it your own. You, you can add a little bit of this, a little bit of that and still make it your own and different than unique. Do you stay tra- traditional then in the, the German sense of brewing then when it comes to the Kolsch? I'm results driven. I think about the results, the beer that I want to brew. And then I try to think in within my knowledge and my reach of ingredients, how can I, I achieve that? With the Kolsch being such a simple beer, I rely on some of the traditional brewing techniques. So I do a double infusion, a two-step infusion. I ferment it at the right temperature, which is uh, 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Kolsch is not a lager. Kolsch is an ale. It's a top fermented beer. It's not a hybrid. So I ferment it at 68 degrees, just like it is fermented in Cologne. And then I lager it for three to four weeks. That's what a Kolsch is. If there's one technique that for me would define German brewing is lagering. It's not decoction, it's not anything else, it's lagering. Every German beer is lagered between three to five weeks, sometimes eight weeks. Most brewers in England and in the US, they just don't do it because "Ah, I can't afford the tank time. But if you want to do it traditional way, you have to give the time. Time is probably the fifth ingredient in beer. So Kolsch needs at least three weeks in the tank. And that's that's what I do on, on those beer styles. Because the one thing I took from German brewing is time is the fifth ingredient. Give it time. You can't rush things. It's a biochemical process. You can't rush it. Give it time. I like that. Jump, I'm going to make a that. t-shirt with that, probably. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna definitely going to... Put that on my I, wall because that's I think a very key part of brewing is that you have to have some patience. Yeah, you want to you want to keep pushing things and moving things you know forward, but when all is said and done, uh, there's nothing that can substitute for time. No, and uh, and there is a saying on the wall of uh, Cantillon in, in Brussels that is something like that. Not exact words, but it's something like there's no replacement to time, especially for them that they need to age beer for like three years. So right, right. <laughs> Kolsch is your favorite. What what would be maybe your least favorite style of beer to drink? I don't think I have one. The styles that I don't like drinking or the beers I don't like drinking are usually the ones that are bad executed. Uh, so like a sour beer that is overly sour, strip the animal out of your teeth sour. <laughs> or the pastry styles that are overly sweet. Those kind of extremes that don't make the drinking experience pleasant, but mm-hmm. I'll drink every style. I'm, I'm the kind of guy I'll, I'll drink everything. I enjoy drinking everything. It's probably beer that has been poorly executed. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm an equal opportunity uh, imbiber. My goal is to drink as many different styles and beers as I possibly can. So if I go someplace, I will rarely, unless it blows me away, I won't have a beer more than once. So just because I just want that experience of trying everybody's different beers. So I'll go and have a flight because I think that gives you a good exposure to the portfolio that a brewery or taproom has. Well, on that topic here, uh, let me uh, tell you a secret of the trade. On a taproom of a brewery, 
you know the one way where you can spot a brewer from a two mile distance is if you go to a tap room of a brewery like I don't know 450 North or Homes or whatever, and you see a guy drinking a pilsner. That guy is a brewer. I enjoy trying everything. I enjoy trying a lot of different things, but every time I visit a new place, if they have a pale lager uh, or a coach, that's the first one I'm, I drink. And I do the same thing, honestly, because I think if somebody can execute a good lager or a Kolsch, I think that tells you a little bit about who they are as a brewer, too. Yeah. And I bet if you meet that brewer that does like uh, slushies or pastry styles 95% of the time and you ask him what beer he likes brewing, he's going to tell you it's the lager. <laughs> right. It's just the kind of people brewers are. So. so you said you've been brewing for? Beginning of 2011, yes. Okay. Started home brewing. We had a couple of friends in Brazil that were already home brewers. Good IPAs were hard to find there at the time. Most were either poorly executed or oxidized imports. And I, I enjoyed drinking those. So I, I asked him, uh, them to teach me. So they, they taught me and then I started reading a lot, started home brewing. And that's where the journey started, April 2011. So would the Kolsch then be your favorite style to brew at the moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have so much joy and pleasure when I'm brewing Kolsch here. It's such a, a relaxing brew day for me. Everything works out smoothly. I put some Cologne Carnival music on the speaker back in the, in the brewing area. It's just, yeah, I just have a blast. How large of a, a brewing system do you have there? I know you said you inherited the brewery to begin with, so. Yeah, we're, st we're still working with uh, the system uh, he had here before. So it's a five barrel cycle brew system, which has a, a little bit of an odd uh, layout, which is a, it's pretty much just a home brewing system on steroids. So if you imagine a home brewing system, it just scale up to five barrels, which 155 gallons but it's actually split in half so it's two two and a half barrel system side by side and then we have five five barrel tanks system is kind of different from most uh, commercial brewery uh, systems but it works does good beer just takes a little bit more work on my side to get everything done and it takes a little bit longer but it works. It is somehow consistent, somehow efficient, and uh, we're happy with the results so far. That system, I think I can crank out up to 400 barrels a year. We're still not at that point. I think we're going to be hitting 160, 170 this year, which I would say is good for us in the second year. So. Fantastic. Can you tell me a little bit more about your facility? Uh, how large is your tap room? The entire area here is about 31 square feet, uh, including kitchen, walk-in, and brewing area. We have a seating capacity of 98 people inside and outside. We do have a small patio outside with like six tables, which is good in the summer and also <laughs> good because we have a pet in patio variance uh, with the health department. So you can bring your cat or dog here, sit on the patio, enjoy some beers, eat some food. So it's a decent sized uh, tap room. Uh, we do host sometimes some big events. How many uh, beers do you have on tap at uh, any given time? Because I know you've got a lot of varieties uh, and that I've seen on your, your website. Yeah, we, we do have 15 tabs. 
Uh, one is a seltzer and two were ciders. So we do have 12 beers uh, on tap. Five of them are, are our mainstay beers. The other seven are rotating. So our mainstays are the Minskin Kosh, of course, the, the Fodex Hefeweizen, American Bobtail Double IPA, Maine Coon, New England Style IPA, and the Bango Oatmeal Stout. And then the, uh, the rotating beers we have right now are, uh, we, we do have some collaborations on tap. We have a Big Lake collaboration, which is a, what if Minskin was American, really <laughs> fun beer to brew. I had it, I think I had it at Burning Foot. The, the one I got to a collaboration with Coopersville Brewing Company is a Hoppy Weizenbach. Uh, we have a Vienna Lager, which was our collab with Archival. We just put on a Belgian Double, which is a, like a fundraising charity beer for a pet rescue shelter here from Grand Rapids. So we, we try to have a, a wide enough range of beers so most people that come in here will always find something they would like to drink. And I like the fact that you are collaborating also with other breweries in the area. I think that's one thing that I appreciate about the independent craft beer community is that I think for the most part, nobody thinks that they're above anyone else. You know, you're all scrambling for for people to fill your seats and to drink your beer and having that cross-pollination, you know, across the Grand Rapids area, I think is really cool. Yeah. So I, I, I like that a lot. Keep up no, the good work with that. It's one of the things I love about this industry is uh, the community. Something I didn't have in automotive, of course. Being a mm. Ford guy, if I saw somebody from GM across the street, I would have <laughs> him. Or, no offense to GM people. It's just the nature of the business. And in beer, everybody is, is um, we're competing, but we understand that people want to try different things. So when people travel to Grand Rapids, they're going to come here, go to Two Guys, Arvon, Broadleaf, Perrin, Mitten. So they want to do that. They come spend a weekend hitting breweries. It's how the Michigan Brewers Guild says it's like a rising tide that everybody goes up together. So everybody works together, help each other. That's a cool thing here every time. A brewery needs something. We post on our Facebook group. There are like three, four breweries raising to, to help. And that's awesome. That's something that uh, I, I haven't seen in other industries. That's something that's really cool. Yeah, I would agree. So do you have any local distribution there uh, in the uh, greater Wyoming area? Problem I have right now with my distribution is that my uh, sales rep is kind of lazy. Uh, he hasn't been doing his job properly. Uh, hasn't been going out to bars and restaurants to actually sell the beer. And when I say that, keep in mind, my sales rep is me. <laughs> I haven't had much time to go out and try to uh, get our kegs out there. We did a little bit of that before summer, then summer got busy. I'm going to get back doing that right now. So we sometimes have a keg here at Monelli's in Wyoming. We had some of our beers at Horrocks uh, in Kentwood. We had some of our beers downtown at the House Rules board game salon, some in uh, Hopcat downtown as well, but it just hasn't been consistent because again, I haven't had uh, the time to do it. But the plan is to get more serious with that early next year to start canning at least our core beers and try to get uh, some cans of them out there. 
mostly for brand awareness, you know, for people to realize who we are, what years we grew, and get more recognition of, out there. So do you have a canning machine there at the tap room then as well? Not yet. That's okay. what I'm okay. working on uh, getting. <laughs> so, so essentially, when you said cans earlier, you have a crawler machine and you can can a beer for, to go then. Okay. Yes. Is there is there a beer out there that you've always wanted to try, but you haven't been able to? I mean, you've, you've been all over the world. So, I mean, you've had the opportunity to, to probably taste some pretty good beer. Well, yes, yes. I, I did I did try a lot of beer, maybe more than I should. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> but, of, of course, there are beers that you, you read about and you always want to try, like the Pliny, the Younger. I never mm-hmm. tried that one, but, I mean, you have to go there. Stay in line and wait at the release day to drink that beer. But a lot of people talk about that. So, yes, I was going to say Hedy Topper, but actually I did drink Hedy Topper a couple of years ago. Yes, I, I think mostly Pining the Younger and some of the you know, the, the barrel age uh, beers from Firestone Walker as well. I think that's some beers that I want to try that I had. And there are so many new beers that I read about in Brazil lately that I want to drink, but I haven't been there in four years. And every time I go there, there's just not enough time to drink everything I want, just too much. There's a lot out there still that I want to try. It's amazing to me that the industry just keeps growing and growing. You know, I know COVID did a lot to to crush a lot of small business owners' dreams, but, you know, here we are two years, two and a half years out, and I'm still amazed that you still are having breweries open. I mean, Grand Rapids has, what, three or four new breweries, you know, in the past year. Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, I mean, they all have new breweries popping up. So it's a fascinating segment of the service industry and the food industry for sure, because people just keep wanting to drink beer. Yeah, agree. And, and it's going to keep growing. Of course, uh, some breweries will close due to maybe poor planning or poor management or not the right time. Uh, that happens. That's normal to any business. But, yes. Uh, there is still going to be growth in the crop year. Maybe not as much or as fast as before, but there's still going to be growth. I think there's once people start drinking craft, there's no going back. Then I think uh, having a beer like uh, like your Kolsch on tap, I think that's a great gateway beer for people to get into the craft uh, yep. scene as well. And that, and that's the other reason why we have the Kolsch. One, I love the beer. I love the style. Two, if somebody walks in and what's the light beer you have? Kolsch, easy drinking, not too bitter, which is what usually puts people off either beer or craft beer. Yeah. People come to you and say, hey, I want to try craft beer, and you give them a too hard. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to work. Uh, they, they, they won't finish uh, no. the glass and they won't drink craft beer anymore. So yeah, no. you have to start slow, start easy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right. Well, uh, one last fun question for you, Linus. If you were a beer, what style would you be and why? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. The one I didn't think about. I don't know. Maybe a coach because I'm. I'm. Sometimes I'm that kind of guy, easygoing. I like to hang out. Uh, I like to just meet people and and talk and and share experiences. But sometimes I'm also the uh, the odd one out, the the weirdo, the crazy. So wouldn't be a coach on that side of 
probably be a, a Berliner Weisse, which is weird, different, and unique, or even in Germany. So either one. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time uh, talking with me today about Trace Gatos and uh, things you're doing there in Wyoming. I look forward at some point, uh, perhaps getting together uh, and having a beer at your at your tap room. Awesome. Well, it it was uh, great talking to you as well. Thank you for giving me the time to share a little bit about who we are and what we do. And yeah, looking forward to having you here uh, for some beers. Great. Thanks again, Linus. Thank you very much. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode. I'm drinking Beacon Juicy IPA from Southern Grist Brewing Company out of Wanakee, Wisconsin. The can says this. Here at Southern Grist, we're constantly experimenting with new styles. Sometimes they have a lot of alcohol, and sometimes a little, and sometimes none. When it came to asking ourselves if we should brew a non-alcoholic Juicy IPA, the answer was simple. Why wouldn't we? Our beverages deliver on fun and flavor, whether it has alcohol or not. This refreshing, non-alcoholic, juicy-style IPA is brewed with Galaxy and Citra hops. I'll tell you what, I'm excited about this one. So without further delay... So as I pour this out into my glass, I'm definitely getting a lot of nice, uh, dank, citrusy notes on the nose. I mean, they just come flooding out of the can upon opening it up. As I've poured it out, it pours a nice, hazy, light, golden color, almost straw-colored. Uh, it's definitely, you cannot see through it. It's got a, a nice, generous, uh, fine white head on it. Again, the nose just reminds me so much of a, just a solid, uh, juicy uh, IPA, which is what this is. First sip impression, mm. so it definitely has a nice citrus punch on the front from that galaxy and that citra. I'm getting a nice uh, grapefruit kind of bitterness on the front of the tongue and a, a citrus profile that kind of matches that as well. Wow. It, uh, just like many of the other non-alcoholic beers I've been trying recently, definitely has a, a thinness to it. Uh, so there's not a lot of body to it. So it, it almost comes across as being more of a, a session IPA as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, to a, a standard juicy IPA. Such a nice aroma on the nose. Very light, very easy drinking. It's got that juicy citrus flavor all the way through from the front all the way to the finish as it goes down uh, past my tongue into my throat. Now, this is a very solid, non-alcoholic beer, folks. I have to say, I'm impressed. The brewers out of Wisconsin, they definitely have a leg up on some of this non-alcoholic brewing. I am blown away. What more can I say? Uh, Galaxy and Citra Hops, a couple of my favorites. Well, Galaxy for sure is one of my favorite. And of course, Citra just gives it that nice citrus profile that, uh, that we all enjoy in an IPA. So if you're looking for a nice sessionable, non-alcoholic beer that has a lot of great flavor and won't fill you up, this is the beer for you. I give this one four tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers, Southern Grist! If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. 
That's all for this episode of the Five Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as I talk about historic beer styles, share another hop hack, and talk with Dan Potter from Archival Brewing in Belmont, Michigan. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what your favorite beer advent calendar is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.